to Retrospection. I am McKay, and this is Ben. Hello. Today we are exploring the question, are AAA game developers missing the mark? Or just developers in general, but yeah, yeah, specifically. More common with AAA. Yeah. And uh, to start off... What makes you say that? Well, what we mean by this... More common with AAA developers. Because I, I know what you mean, but I'm just, I'm just jabbing at you for a little quickity question there. <laughs> so... It's more common with AAA developers. For me, it feels like because... So, as a basis, we're talking about... uh, This stemmed from a discussion about how some video games are too repetitive. Right. And so, my thought process is sometimes there are some AAAs (coughs) that are more of a cash grab and... uh, (laughs) Challenge everything. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, it kind of stems from, like, are they trying to are they trying to move too quickly to get this, um, <laughs> whoops, to uh, to get more money from it? They're trying to release it too quickly, or are they just they don't care at all? Yeah, dialing um, it in. So, there's a couple of questions we have to explore today, and um, missing the mark kind of involves like how the quality of a game, the storytelling of a game, the gameplay cycle of a game. Um, so what do you think, Ben? What what kind of uh, issues make a game stale in the way where developers are missing a mark? Like what? And what things make a game stale? Hmm... <laughs> I think it's it's kind of a tough question when you think about it because you could say like it's when developers do the same thing yeah and, like repeatedly right but there have been cases where people are successful doing that like they follow the formula that made it work in the first place and it people are pretty happy with it yeah um what would be an example of those who are successful like Mario, I think, is a great example. Of Mario. They've <laughs> stuck to formulate with that pretty well. I mean, like, and you think about Super Smash over the years. What's, how much has it really, like, changed? They're... Like, fundamentally, I mean. Yeah, Super Smash has only been little tweaks. And I mean, they've, <laughs> they've, they've innovated with it. They've changed it over the years. Mm-hmm. But, like, the core experience, how different is that from way back to now? <laughs> Mario Kart, same way. Nintendo's a very good case of a AAA developer who is not missing the mark. They know how to do it. <laughs> Some people would argue otherwise because yeah, yeah, maybe they're course. not doing too much different, well, but they're doing they're doing good. People still enjoy their games. It's also, you know, when, <laughs> when you say that, you know, it's a subjective question because some people are very content with something that's kind of in the same vein for I wouldn't say over and over, but you know, it being kind of similar from the last thing. Other people want it to be, like, drastically different somehow. But Yeah. <laughs> like, one example I could think of would be, like, the 2016 Doom game. Oh, yeah. That was just modern Doom. It was exactly like Doom was back in the day. And there was, like... It, they approached it the same way. Flat-out first-person action. They took the formula <laughs> from Doom and just brought it to the modern day, and it killed (laughs) people loved that they hit the mark with that because they didn't try to do anything crazy with it they just did doom 
and it made people feel like they're playing Doom. Oh, I think that sometimes is what makes it successful. So I'm genuinely com- curious about Doom. How is the gameplay cycle? Oh, it's fun. Yeah? <laughs> it helps that, I will say this, like if I were to, if that game were like a really long game, it would get boring, right? Because it's yeah. running gun the whole time. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not too long of a game. And it's very fast paced and, and, you know, there's like the brutalization moves where you like go up to enemies and you like tear them in half and stuff. And that, you're very well entertained by that throughout the whole game. You have to manage your ammo and, you know, you, you end up getting new weapons as you go. And it has a nice flow right up until it ends, which is pretty quick. Yeah. It's very fast paced. The reason I asked is because I know Wolfenstein was the same... Was it the same team of people, even? I know it was the same developer. They're both under Bethesda. They both use the same game engine. And they're both... They both stem from the same time period. Hmm. That kind of cheesy 3D (laughs) shooter. (laughs) Yeah, the 2D, 3D. The reason I think about this is when, when we started thinking about this episode... Um... I'd been playing Doom, or not Doom, uh, Wolfenstein a lot on the Switch. And for me, that game runs stale in how repetitive the gameplay cycle is and kind of the mechanics of it. Um, How you have all the enemies running towards you all the time. There's not really variation from that. There are smaller enemies, bigger enemies, but they all just kind of come at you. Yeah. And what you have to do is duck behind things and shoot them in the head 40 times before they shoot you in the head 40 times. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'll say this like when you describe that, like where enemies are bigger and smaller and they're all running at you, Doom is kind of similar. But I yeah. think there's a very fundamental difference in like how Doom goes about it. Like in Doom, it's the same thing, but you feel more yeah like i don't know how to explain it like you it gives you a different feeling because like the music is so heavy and and raging and pounding and there's all these demons running and you're tearing them apart and yeah you're encountering kind of the same enemies as you go and they're all running at you but they uh they don't take 40 shots to the head to kill they take one (laughs) yeah and so this is a big issue i had with wolfenstein is because we were just barely talking about this and you shoot the guy in the face and he just stumbles one step backwards and he keeps shooting. and keeps shooting at you <laughs> and um for me that runs very stale um what is an example of a game that maybe like what makes a game exciting for you hmm that's a good question. What makes the game exciting? It's a pretty deep question. Yeah, it is. Honestly. <laughs> a lot of that, I mean, a lot of what makes things enjoyable for you is, you know, I, I keep bringing up like subjectiveness, right? But based on what you've enjoyed in the past, like I have to imagine, I always wanted to play Doom back in the day. <laughs> it was off limits to me. So I almost feel like I have kind of a hedonistic <laughs> pleasure playing it because it's like, Oh man, my parents would have hated it if I played this. 
Uh, not, I mean, that's not 100% it, but it's like, that. those games always intrigued me, whereas like Wolfenstein never really intrigued me. So whenever I played them, I'm just like, eh. I never heard much about Wolfenstein. And so, not to... To flip on the other side of Wolfenstein, not to completely bash it, but I did find excitement in the really tense situations in Wolfenstein. Mm. I forget the what's the exact title of the one I was playing. Uh, it wasn't New Order, was it? That's You're a new like one. The scenes that happen. The or... the title of the game, because there's one before, right? It's just Wolfenstein Two, is it? That's this the one, one I've been, been playing, playing yeah. on the Switch. The uh, new the uh the something colossus i'm blanking now new colossus <laughs> i don't know but if you do know Bail. then you know so <laughs> you get the what we're talking about the something colossus the newest one for me i was always excited in character interactions and the really tense situations like the there was a the the reason i bought the game was because of the alternate timeline where Germany wins World War II and they've invaded America and you go into a diner and you're Ah, super wanted. The milkshake scene. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking about? The milkshake scene. And the guy comes in and he's talking and he's like I recognize you, don't I? And just it's super intense. He asks you like where, which district you're from or whatever and you're... (laughs) That was a super exciting moment. I like really good story but the thing about that game is all of the exciting parts for me were cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> the gameplay itself didn't i played the game to continue the story and i feel like sometimes that happens too often but then sometimes there are games that don't have enough story um hmm. it's interesting to think about um, cause after that initial, that initial, like, intense situation, it's just back to the same, like, people are after you, you got them down I, 40 times in the head. I almost <laughs> wonder if what makes the game exciting is when you tie the concept of the game to the game itself in a good way. Yeah. Like, we were talking about Left 4 Dead earlier. I think mm-hmm. the concept of that game and the actual game itself are, like, right there next to each other. Yeah. you're. They go side by side. I mean, what you're talking about is kind of like Wolfenstein 2. It's like the concept behind the game, the story and everything is great. But as soon as you start actually playing, you're like, uh. Hmm. You know, yeah, the concept behind Wolfenstein feels like it should be more of an intrigue kind of game right yeah germany is infiltrated yeah you are taking out like german officials to try and take down their power in america but you wouldn't do that in such a reckless way really i don't know maybe if it was more of a stealth Stealth game game. but the stealth in that game is pretty awful you get seen by one guy and it's like it never ends and even if you kill the commanders which is a mechanic I never fully understood because they never explained it. The you know what that mechanic is. So they'll have like a little radar on the screen or like a proximity thing where it tells you how far a commander is who can call in more troops, hmm. and you kill him and basically kill the rest of the people and everything stops. 
But it, yeah, Reed's cleared. It was never okay. like. It was never like, oh, go turn off the alarm. It was never quite as clear and smooth as that. <laughs> go turn off the alarm. Oh, that's funny. So that reminds me of, <clears throat> um, that, like the original Medal of Honor Allied Assault game, because <laughs> it was just like that. You would sneak around in certain sections, and if an enemy got to an alarm. They would turn it on, and then, you know, enemies would come swarming towards you. And as soon as you turned them off, they would stop coming. You'd have to kill the ones, re- the, the rest of them, but they would stop. And maybe that's why so, this man. game is so stale, is because its gameplay mechanics are almost 20 years old. <laughs> hmm. Just about 20 years old now. I don't know. The game doesn't really offer much more, but... um. Back to Left I mean, 4 Dead, I think. Like, what does Destiny bring to the table gameplay-wise? That's a very good question. <laughs> but people love it. I never why? got into Destiny. You but... Never, but that's subjective. But why Why would other people like it still, regardless? The multiplayer interaction is probably a big chunk of it. Communicating and with people. And that's been around a I while, the, but it's never... The concept behind Destiny is decent. I think it's kind of cool. It's post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. and there's almost this like mythological element happening with it yeah but in space and with a sci-fi thing and i wish they would explain that a little it's, better but it's then again been... it's been a while since i played the first game yeah so i haven't played the second one at all so. i played a little bit and i just kind of got bored honestly interesting yeah why'd you get bored it just i don't know it, it, it was so just straightforward first person shooter with multiplayer element there was nothing that captured me in it for me personally so i feel like i mentioned left for dead in every single episode every week <laughs> we do this game but left for dead stands out to me as probably one of the best cooperative first person shooters ever and i think we were just talking about it how there's only one cutscene for the entire game, unless you're playing Left 4 Dead 2. But then again, there's still only one cutscene shown in Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But what it does is it shows the four characters just interacting. All it's the only background you get is two weeks after initial infection, <laughs> and then it shows them interacting. But throughout the video. It shows all of the enemies you will encounter in the game, and it shows you, through the characters doing it, how you would combat those characters, and it's only like a minute long. And then the game starts right after that cutscene in the first campaign. Yeah, and you're just there. And uh, the way that those enemies vary in what they do, you have the hunters who can jump really far, and they can hide up in like shaded areas where you can't see and they'll come out and jump at you and then you have you have smokers who will go on in like faraway doorways or up on a rooftop and they'll grab you with their tongue away from the people and then you have boomers who will just pop out in front of you and explode and it causes a hordes hordes of zombies to come well there's a heavy tactical element to it Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it so such an excellent specifically multiplayer game the reason it's why so I, tactical <laughs> it's funny when you say the word tactical i think of like call of duty hmm. but the thing those games aren't very tactical when you really look at it <laughs> no and the thing that's they funny make, they put you in the shoes of someone who's being like tacti- 
like someone else is doing the tactics for you and you're just thrown into it <laughs> kind of yeah and like the thing with left for dead is there's no aim like no sights aiming there's like it's just basic like shoot run gun and melee when something's close to you but the fact that there's so many things you have to think about and you have three people who you're communicating with to try and accomplish the goal of simply getting from point A to point B. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I... Makes a game... I keep going back to the question, what makes a game exciting? And as you're talking about this, I was kind of sitting here thinking, like, I think there's, there's probably many points you could put there, but, like, if I could say two, it would be one, it would be to... How would I differentiate this? One is basically putting you, like, in the shoes of the character that you're in, making them deal with the problems that they have to face. Like, if I had related this to Fallout 76, like, you end up playing the game and you end up having these uh, things where you have to deal with bigger and bigger enemies until it's, like, a big, giant enemy that's the Scorch Beast and all this. Mm -hmm. To be prepared for that, you have to get certain equipment you have to have certain types of weapons and you have to have certain types of chems to deal with like radiation and stuff once you get that then you can face the beast and it's kind of this build-up to this crescendo whether or not it's worth it is questionable but <laughs> it's this like tactical build-up to like getting all the things you need to do it left for dead you're always kind of like oh i just used my med kit i need to find another one where would one be oh it'd maybe be over here if even if you've played it before it's like the change where they, they are yeah there's an unknown element to every game you play because you're it, not sure where it puts you in the shoes of the character you're playing and the, the problems they have to deal with in the game see and that game is so linear but it still has exploration elements because you have to check rooms for supplies all the time because yeah. uh your friend could screw up and shoot you in the back with a shotgun <laughs> <laughs> so it's when uh, I think a lot of it is like, yeah, putting you in the shoes of the character you're playing and kind of making their problems and making their experiences yours, but also making, I think one that can be separated from that is making you feel like that character. Mm -hmm. Like when you, going back to Doom, when you play Doom, the, the new ones and the old ones, you feel like Doom guy. You feel yeah. like a big, powerful dude in a huge set of armor with all these guns and when you punch an enemy in the face and their head explodes, you feel like Doom Guy at that moment. You feel powerful. <laughs> and that makes it exciting because you feel like that character. You feel like you're in their shoes. When you play Tomb Raider and you're exploring and you find like this ancient artifact and you're looking at it and after going through this whole puzzle, you feel like Tomb Raider. You're like, wow, look at it. I just found this cool artifact after all that. So you would say the connection that you have with the character you're playing as would be what makes games kind of exhilarating for you. I mean, not always, because there are games that work without having a connection to a character. There like, are storytelling. Dark Souls, what connection do you have to your character? They just kind of are there for the purposes <laughs> of getting the crap beat out of them. But you feel you have the problems that they have, which is not <laughs> being able to really die. <laughs> <laughs> so it has the other element where it's putting you in their shoes and you have to deal with having the right weapons and having the right this and that left for dead is the same way like i don't know when i play it that i feel like francis i feel like bill but you have their problems you have the things that they have to deal with on your plate so 
and the world interacts with with you in that way and yeah i'm trying to think (laughs) i'm really bad at explaining i'm trying to find the correlation because there are games that try to do this but end up not being as exciting and i'm not sure what the disconnect is it's hard to say why for me how did you feel what was the banjo kazooie um spiritual successor called again ukulele yeah that was a very interesting one now i I like that you brought that up because my wife is huge into 3d platformers she loved banjo kazooie we pre-ordered that game she was so hyped for it she doesn't really like it it's just like banjo kazooie in like almost every way (laughs) but she didn't like it why and i wonder like what that disconnect is because i've played a little bit of it but i've I just never went back to it, and I don't know. Same. I don't know what the disconnect is. I didn't like when I played it. I was like, "This is this is kind of fun," but I didn't feel excited playing it. Like it didn't uh, grab me, and so, for some reason, even though I played it other three, felt almost like it was catering too hard. But I don't know. Like there isn't. And this kind of goes to another thing I was thinking about. Maybe there isn't enough story lore in that game. You don't really... Mm. There isn't, like, a connection made with the character. How much of that was there in Banjo-Kazooie? Was, was I don't, there more I of a connection? I never played Banjo-Kazooie, to be honest. I'd have to look into that. I don't know how... Because as far as I understand it, it's kind of the same in Banjo-Kazooie. You're just kind of... You're Banjo and Kazooie, and there's really not much else but going on. I think the thing with Banjo-Kazooie is the way they presented their wit... And the characters, like, people had uh, a connection with those characters. You still see, like, people talk about that game very highly. And it's because of the interactions. And maybe even it comes down to character design with the two different games. But... um, You mentioned trying too hard. You think they were trying too hard to cater, like you said? Yeah. And that could have hurt it? It kind of makes me think... Trying too hard to impress and make the people happy. Whereas with maybe Banjo-Kazooie, they didn't have an audience they knew about yet. <laughs> yeah, first of, like, I'm I'm sure Banjo-Kazooie was in development. Maybe around the time Mario came out. I don't know, because it's a later release, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, you know, 3D era. And so. nobody knew what they were doing. <laughs> Banjo Tooie, you know, they, as far as I understand it, they kind of had some of that ready to go already. And mm-hmm. there was this kind of, they were they're just like, oh, building this works. Upon so themselves. they built it upon. And then they messed it up with the newest one. They tried. That was, that was one. But nuts and bolts. I watched a video on nuts and bolts. <laughs> yeah. That messed up because they tried to innovate with it in an unnecessary fashion. Well, um, have you seen John Tron's video yeah, about that? That's exactly what I'm talking about. John Tron. He he noticed like, it worked when playing. It, it worked how it was. Why did you change it? And you know what's funny about that is they could have just added racing elements in some of the missions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, but he said yeah. if you've ever watched JonTron, you know about this video because it's one of his most notorious freakouts ever. <laughs> so the cars. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he talks about how um, how. It looks like the game was supposed to be a 3D platformer. And then at the last moment, they they just decided to add cars. And they were afraid to, like, 
they were yeah well and he mentioned seems like they were afraid to just do the same thing again but the thing is that probably would have worked just fine and so like i'm i'm thinking about need for speed a lot a lot right now to segue from cars Hmm. have you ever played most wanted Mm -mm. that game is and here this is interesting because the same problem between ukulele and banjo kazooie i don't know where the disconnect is but for some reason, Need for Speed Most Wanted is, like, the best Need for Speed game that's ever been made. And since they made that game, they've failed in every single attempt to reach the same <laughs> level. And I don't know what it is. Need for Speed Carbon was almost exactly like Need for Speed Most Wanted. And they added some things, and I thought it was fun. Maybe, but it wasn't as popular. Maybe, like, going back to ukulele... Maybe it, it was it wasn't successful because it righted too heavily on the success of Banjo Kazooie, and it's not even that they tried too hard, but like they were trying too much to be like that. When there are plenty of 3D platformers out there now, like have you heard of A Hat in Time before? People love that one. People love it because it's its own thing. It's completely unique. It's a 3D platformer through and through. It's a collectathon through mm-hmm. and through. But it's the way they go about it that's different. There's these elements that are different but it, at the core it's the same yeah so it's not the gameplay that's the problem <laughs> it's there's other things that are the problem this is such a hard question to answer yeah we're kind of going we in circles can... here like it's very <laughs> difficult to say <laughs> and to connect it to like where developers are missing a mark like um i don't know because you see this often when they hit a mark and then they just can't meet it again. They just can't. So the question is, should they not try once they've hit the mark? Should they just well, leave it? <laughs> at a business standpoint, that would be absolutely ludicrous yeah. not to try. But whenever they do try, and maybe that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to think about, and I wish we could reach an answer for this. <laughs> and like... Uh, a definite answer um and i mean plenty of developers just keep going anyway obviously people just like a lot of people are like oh the only good call of duty games were the original call of duty games look how many there are now they don't care yeah (laughs) it's and a lot of people think like oh the assassin's creed kind of went downhill after like revelations but they still keep making them people still play them plenty i think the biggest thing that That's it comes good, down to but is the developers behind the game all the people working on it if they like i almost feel like there's a connection between a creative decision being made behind the game and a business decision being made That's always behind the a game it's always the line they have to tread and they're just dancing over it back and forth all the time. I feel like like with the need for speed when they were what is that at 28? Yeah. When they were making all those need for speed games, they took Need for Speed Underground, which was very successful and thought, how could we add on to this? And they put cops back into it and they made it so you could drive anywhere in the town. But they had like the creative 
Nobody had done cop chases like Need for Speed Most Wanted had. The system of leveling up the different cars, the damage that they take. Mm. Do you think that's the answer? The creative decisions behind the developers? Uh, how much would you say that that game stuck to formula, the formula of the previous ones? I would say it... It took the formula and did a right angle corner with it. So it's not headed in a different direction. Maybe like a 45 degree angle. But they added stuff like huge game changers to it. So you're so now we're talking about the line between formula and innovation where you where you want to fall on that because if you make too much of the same if it's like exactly the same and you're just trying to like make it like ukulele we're trying to make banjo kazooie people didn't like it as much and but if you take in that idea and gone hmm what can we do with the idea of a cute 3d platformer and yada yada and you make hat in time there i think that's our answer the line between form formula and innovation because you want to give people what they are coming for in a game i think about how successful an Telltale Assassin's Creed game would be. Now, I don't think that you can't translate games into other forms, but I think mm-hmm. a large tenet of what Assassin's Creed is is, like, scaling buildings and exploring and doing assassinations and doing that the combat that it has and the things that have made it work all throughout its history. <laughs> yeah. And yet they've, they've changed it. Like, each game in that franchise, they've added elements. Like, you had... The first game, which was very limited, kind of small, it had a lot of mechanics going on that other games didn't maybe have. And then you, they added a little bit more variety and dynamics in two, and a little bit more here and there. They added like some guild, like Assassin's uh, Guild or whatever they are, um, elements in there where like you help the people. And then they added this, and they added that, and they added this. But it was all the same at the core. It was all yeah. the same thing. And then the most recent one, Odyssey, people say is a masterpiece because it's like, it's Assassin's Creed, but they added like these RPG elements into it. But it's still, at its core, it feels like an Assassin's Creed game, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. So they treaded that line between, but then a lot of people think that all the games are the same. And they're like, oh man, yeah, I played like, I played played those and now I've played all of them because they're all the same. You just run around and kill people and scale buildings. (laughs) It's such a hard question. And I think about Zelda in regards to that. Like, Zelda at its very core, the first game, was a game where it didn't tell you anything in the game, at least. And you just went out and explored. And uh, they've come full circle, which really fascinates me. Because now, like, they tell you stuff in that game, of course, because nobody reads manuals now. They, you know, times yeah, have changed. Yeah, they have to have some <laughs> exposition going on. But at the core, it's you're just chucked out into the world full of enemies that kill you almost instantly until later. But <laughs> you have to build up to it. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I feel like... Sticking, uh, to, sticking to formula versus innovating. It's interesting the turn this conversation took. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of went through a few loops over here. But, yeah, I would say... I think it comes down to 
formula versus innovation and also creative versus business. Mm -hmm. It's constantly like jump roping between all those things. It's crazy. I think that's how... Imagine two jump ropes. Like, (laughs) that's what they're trying to do. That's true. Oh, gosh, it can't be easy. This This is why they're talking about video game developer unions because they have a tough career they do in that field yep but and the developers get crapped on for things that are like management's fault for Mm -hmm. rushing projects and not letting them have full creative direction over things if activision and bungie (laughs) if nothing else if you take nothing else from this episode just I guess take time to think about what developers, like, what they do for us. Like, this is a weird entertainment industry. It's not like movies. Like, movies they do spend tons of time making. But this is, like, so much more detail than movies. TV shows, I think, are also something that have a lot of detail. But I don't know. Maybe go on to Twitter and thank your favorite developers because yeah. they go through a lot of shiz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I I think that kind of wraps up our yeah. uh, discussion. Thanks, developers. <laughs> thank you. You guys are champs. Yeah, You give reals. us the games we love. You try to. <laughs> even, <laughs> even if some... I guarantee, even the ones that haven't worked, there have been developers that are like with us in the background like... And I, you know... But they can't talk about it that way. (laughs) I've given a lot of flack to Wolfenstein today, but I did play through the entire story, and I enjoyed it, so... (laughs) Would you say it's still a good game? Just a good game. cap on it? Yeah. It's a good game. I like it. Yeah. I think... I've played games that I wasn't blown away by, but, like, Ukulele? I wasn't blown away by it, but it was a good game. I think it was fun. It was cute. Maybe I'll you know, go back to that. The characters were kind of silly, and <laughs> it was fun to run around and collect little pages and stuff. Maybe yeah. I didn't play it, but like you don't have to love it to death to really... Nah. And I think that's where the disconnect for a consumer comes. And sometimes it's just a matter of your personal priorities. Like, I don't play 3D, 3D platformers that much. So when we're talking about ukulele, it's like, well, I, I dumped that for something else because that's not what I normally play. Of course. <laughs> well but yeah if you want to enjoy us in appreciating developers creations um check us out on uh, retrospection gameplay we'll have a link below that's my shameless plug for the day shame <laughs> shame you should be shamed <laughs> uh thank you so much for keeping with us during this discussion it was a wild ride yeah <laughs> We'll see you next time. See ya. Farewell.